We're going to read this evening. Uh, the two main selections are from Matthew 25 and Revelation 20. And those are two accounts of the Last Judgment. So first of all, the more familiar words of Matthew 25, where Jesus is speaking, and he has been uh, instructing his disciples and speaking of the last days. Chapter 24 of Matthew uh, is the signs of the end of the age and the day and the hour is unknown in Matthew 24 and then in Matthew 25 the parable of the ten virgins to be ready and then uh, at the end of Matthew 25 the judgment the sheep and the goats and it says here in Matthew 25 verse 31 Jesus is speaking when the son of man comes in his glory and all his angels with him he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. And they also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Then reading from Revelation chapter 20, where it speaks as well of the judgment, the final judgment. Revelation 20, beginning at verse 11, verse 11 to 15. And there it says in Revelation 20, verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, so the throne again, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And everyone was judged according to what they had done. So everyone. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. 
The lake of fire is the second death. All whose names were not found written in the book of life were thrown into the lake of fire. So there is another account of the judgment. And our text is uh, just another word from Matthew 12, verse 36, where Jesus is speaking. uh, And he says, I tell you that people will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. So a very, a very detailed judgment. I tell you, people will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every word that they have spoken. Congregation of Jesus Christ, we are looking at three texts this evening that talk about the last judgment. And when we look at those, the more familiar one, of course, is Matthew 25, where we see the sheep and the goats. There is the the throne, Jesus on the throne, who will be judging. And then justice is done, and people go to eternal punishment or to eternal joy. Revelation 20, verses 11 to 15, gives a little more detail, adding the sense of the books, that there was, uh, were our books, and then some of the details that are involved in terms of judging very precisely the details. And then Matthew 12, verse 36, even more detailed, that every careless word will be judged. So, so you get a picture of, of, of quite a vast judgment that, that includes lots and lots, and then, and then it narrows down and narrows down to the finest detail, very minor, minute, tiny detail. So the main things, the general things, everything. So our whole life is examined and judged. So if you think about that, how would that kind of scrutiny uh, reflect in your and my life? That, that is a, a fearful thing. That is a, a troubling thing. It's, it's somewhat like when the tax people, did you send in your tax return? We send in our taxes, right? And then you get a little letter from the Canadian Revenue Agency. I had one last year. And they asked me to, because I file electronically, and they had looked it all over, and they asked, what about this charitable giving? And so, please send in all your receipts, every single one, that you have proof that what you actually claimed, you actually donated. And yeah, we had all the slips in order. You send them in, no problem. But if you don't, then you're in big trouble, right? Because your, your statement, your life, your, your expression of the truth is, is challenged. And you have to be able to, to stand under the judgment. So the last judgment of God on our lives is, is a worrying thing in that sense. If there is someone looking so closely at all we do and say. 
So we are going to, to reflect on this last judgment. The Bible talks about the last judgment. When it talks about the last or the final judgment, it, it's the last judgment in the sense that, that this is at the end of history. This is the last event in, in the sense of human history. So it's final, the last thing in that sense. But it also has the sense of, of, of an ultimate, of, of a complete evaluation of our lives. So it's, it's, the, it's the final test, the kind of final looking at our lives and all that we have done. It's, it's the final statement on, on each of our lives. It's the last judgment, the last evaluation that will be made. And this will happen when Jesus Christ returns in glory to earth. The dead will be raised, and they, together with all who are living, will be judged by Christ and assigned their eternal destiny. So that's what we also confess in the Apostles' Creed, that Jesus will come again to judge the living, those who are still living, and the dead, those who have died, will be raised and judged. So this is what we are looking at, the last judgment. Now, the Bible talks throughout about this reality. It's not just suddenly in Matthew or Revelation. There is in Matthew itself other references to the day of of judgment. Matthew 10, verse 15, Jesus speaks about it again. It will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. So Jesus mentions often the the day of judgment. Already in Amos 5, verse 18, it speaks of the day of the Lord. Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. The day will be darkness, not light. And this is that sense of the final judgment day. In 1 Corinthians 1, Paul is talking about the day again the day of the Lord Jesus. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's thinking of standing on that day and and being blameless in Christ. There will be that great day. Romans 2 verse 16, which speaks about they, this will take place on the day when God will judge men's secrets through Jesus Christ. So all the details, all the secrets will be judged. And Zephaniah 1 verse 15, the day of wrath, that day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish. So, so you get all of these references to this particular day, what, what's all involved, and all of these things are involved. And so it's a great final event. The things that get pulled out are, are that it will be visible, It will be uh, clearly visible. Justice will be visible. People will be able to see it. It will take place visibly. It's not behind closed doors or something happened somewhere that we don't know or others don't know. It's all very public, very visible. It's a universal judgment. All will be judged. And the, the, the general point behind it all is that this judgment will show Christ's glory and Christ's victory over sin and death and Satan. So it's 
it's public, it's visible, it's, it's declaring the glory of God in Jesus Christ. So that's the, the, what it's pointing to, what it's working out in a visible, uh, God-glorifying, Christ-centered way. Righteousness will be exalted and wickedness will be punished. And so in the Catechism, it talks about that day will be welcomed by believers, that day will be feared by unbelievers. Because all will come to light. So, this is then a final, universal, very detailed judgment. The question arises, are there other, if this is the last judgment or the final judgment, are there other judgments? Like, is this just all of a sudden a judgment at the end? Or does God pronounce judgment uh, already in other ways? If there is a last judgment, is there a first judgment? And there is. If we just think about it a little bit, the first judgment was when God brought condemnation and death on all people and a curse fell upon all creation as a result of Adam and Eve's sin. So there you have something that happened and, and the actions of Adam and Eve were judged by God right there and judgment was pronounced. And the judgment was that you will surely die and that this world would be under the curse of sin. And that's laid out in terms of, of children born in, in pain and, and toil in our work. Uh, the curse. So that was the first judgment in, in comparison to the last judgment. And the first judgment is in effect throughout history, even today. We are living under that judgment, the first judgment. And the only escape is by taking hold of God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But that judgment still hangs over us, that hangs over this world, is, is in effect. So there's a first judgment already. And the Bible also talks about other judgments on individuals and nations. It says God judged the, the, the people in the days of Noah and sent the flood. And they uh, reaped the results of their actions. And so judgment takes place in this world. Sodom and Gomorrah were judged by fire from heaven. The plagues on Egypt and Pharaoh's army drowned in the Red Sea where God's judgment on their denying God's people their freedom. And so, so you recognize a larger context of judgment. It's not just one final judgment, but God continues to work in this world judging evil uh, upholding righteousness. So the, the final judgment is the culmination of that ongoing work. And so that's why the Old Testament does make reference to God as judge. 
different places. Uh, also what I read from Psalm 96 and Ecclesiastes 12, verse 14. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. That's the last verse of Ecclesiastes. So all of our living is under that reality. Old Testament already. Daniel 12 has a, a, a picture of the final judgment, also like Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15. They are very parallel passages. So, so it's present in the Old Testament, present in the New Testament. John the Baptist speaks of judgment and calls for repentance as he goes out. So it's, it's very much present, and Jesus himself speaks extensively about God's judgment and Matthew 25 as we read. So it's not, it's not suddenly there. It's, it's part of the understanding of, of what takes place, and so the final judgment is just the culmination of this work of God. Who actually does the judging? The Bible tells us Jesus is the judge. Matthew 25 speaks about that. Uh, in the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 22, it says God has given authority to judge to Jesus Christ. So the authority actually from God through Christ to judge. And that authority is part of Christ's exaltation. Uh, next Sunday, Wayne is going to preach on the ascension and how Jesus ascends to reign and, and to, to take authority over and he will judge. And so the center of judgment is Christ himself. And there is, there is yeah, God, the Father knows everything, obviously, but, but that the center of judgment is in Christ who lived and walked among us, who knows and understands exactly better than, well, no, because God knows and understands everything. But just, just a picture of Christ judging is, is, is even more in terms of his intimate knowledge. He suffered everything. He understands everything there's no doubt that as Christ would judge, he would know and understand and be able to judge in every way. So Jesus is the judge. He comes, first of all, to save in John 3.16, but his second coming will be for judging the world, John 9, verse 39. And so Jesus is the judge. The thing about the last judgment is that it is frightening for unbelievers because they are now in big trouble having denied God, having denied Jesus, and all of a sudden there he is. So, of course, if you have lived your life denying the reality of God and denying that Jesus is of any significance, and then all of a sudden there he is, you know you are in big trouble. So that's the sense of it. On the one hand, it is frightening. On the other hand, it is comforting for believers who have always been 
ridiculed for their faith and their hope, and now they are proved right. Now, here he is, the Jesus in whom they have put their hope and trust. And so, as he comes on the clouds, there is a, a shout of hallelujah. This is the joyous day. So when is this great day? In Matthew 24, Jesus talks, we don't know the day or the hour. And in Mark 13, verse 32, he says, he doesn't even know. Only the Father knows. So there is constantly a sense of, okay, be ready. We don't know exactly. We know for sure that it's coming, but we don't know exactly when. So that continues to be uh, I hope a, a confession we make. Jesus will come again to judge the living and the dead. What will happen on this great day? All will be judged. Romans 14 verse 10 says, We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And every secret will be public. And even every casual word will be scrutinized. Why, why is that? Why would it be so detailed? The, the understanding is that then all can see, everyone can see that the judgment is right. That right down to the smallest detail, justice has been done. There's no plea bargaining. There's no trading off. We'll, we'll forget about these and we'll just look at these. Everything will be justly looked at. What was wrong will be noted and the punishment will fit the crime. Right down to the smallest detail. Because there are instances too where very small things that are said and done have huge consequences. Some gossip over here and all of a sudden things break down here and then various consequences here and lives are ruined and people are in, in, in misery and you think well it was all because somebody just went on about this over here and all of that will be traced back and dealt with openly completely justice will be done to the glory of God so that's that's the picture. There is a question, what about the sin of believers? There's a huge discussion about this in the commentaries and, and through the years in theology. What about the sin of believers? You and I, uh, by God's grace, believing, forgiven, right? So why drag up all of our garbage, right? Why can't we just say, well, we're okay in Christ. Nobody needs to know all the stuff that we did. And then we'll just go off to glory. The picture is that all will be judged. And Revelation 20 says too, all will be judged. All the books will be open. Everyone, so believers too. Those saved by grace. We would prefer that maybe our sins not be mentioned. Um, it's kind of embarrassing. It's, 
in fact, completely humiliating. And so isn't there a way that we could avoid that? Well, the realization in this final judgment is that it's, it's not, first of all, about us. It is about the judge, the Lord Jesus. And so we need to realize that as all the sins are made known, even and especially for those who have believed, that raises up the glory of Christ who forgives us. And so as every detail is made known and even the most pious life is revealed to be full with sin, as the sin is revealed, the wonder of God's gracious forgiveness is, is heightened. Why would he forgive? Sinners like us, by his love and grace. It's not that, that oh, we really didn't sin that much and, and so we're saved because we were so good. See, no. We are as bad or worse. Paul says, I am the worst of sinners so that our sinfulness will be clearly on display is for Jesus to receive the praise and honor and glory for his grace to undeserving sinners. Finally, what is the basis for the judgment? And that is the earthly lives of people, the things we have done in the body. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 speaks about that. And, and Matthew 25 too, the things we have done. What have you done? What have you not done? So there is a judgment. Some will think the judgment hinges though on the good deeds we have done. And that that somehow we earn our salvation. That is not what is pictured here. The little good we did really has little to recommend us. Even if we feed the hungry, even if we help the poor, often even those things. I, I, I remember going with, uh, with a gentleman when... Uh, uh, out of Calgary, he was doing some prison ministry in Bowdoin. And uh, we spoke together, and he was not a person of faith, but he was familiar with Matthew 25. And he said, it says, visit the prisoners, and I, I better, so that I earn my way to heaven. I think, well, that's not really, <laughs> that's not going to work. Because our efforts, even our efforts, what are you doing it for? For God's glory or for myself, see? And so often, even our very best efforts, Isaiah 64, verse 6, speaks about that. As uh, to the Israelites, all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags before God. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. So, so we, we can kind of, of look at, yeah, we, we have done a few good things, but none of that actually touches the sin that, that we carry and the sin that we bear. And so we recognize the judgment of people in this world of sin is, is shocking. It's, it's a little bit like when you hear on the news a, a politician caught in corruption. So you hear the story of Mr. Duffy a little bit and you think, yeah, that's not right, that's not good. And, and you wonder about that. And then, and then more details come out 
about what exactly happened and what exactly went wrong. And then you, you start to think more, yeah, this is, this is really no good. This is, this is not good at all. Or if you look at the atrocities of ISIS and, and you see what they're doing, and you hear a little bit on the news, and then, then if you hear further all they're doing and everything, and it, initially it, does, it, looks, it looks bad, and then you look even more detail, what they're doing exactly, how they're holding people, who they're killing, how they're killing them, and it, it's just more and more. And so the sense of, of our sinfulness is, is shocking at the day of judgment. So then it's a good thing that Jesus is the judge, that we will be humbled, but only by his grace are we saved. So that's, that's the, the judgment heightens in every way the wondrous love and grace of God, that any are saved at all, and that many are saved is to his glory. So that's the underlying understanding of the day of judgment, to see it in its proper perspective. Finally, uh, to understand that this final judgment has no appeals. If you see in our court system, there's a lot of appeals, right? If people are judged, then it goes to the next level, and the next level, and the next level. This has no appeals. Why are there no appeals? Why can't you appeal to a higher authority? Well, this is the highest authority, and this is the perfect judgment. The judge is, is looked at all the evidence and has judged uh, perfectly so that, that it is the last arena of appeal because it's a perfectly just judgment. And everybody would agree you wouldn't need to appeal. It's not that the judge has instructed the jury incorrectly. It's not that the evidence was inadmissible and tainted. All the evidence is there. Every detail was looked at. And so there is no need for more appeals. The verdict is clear. The ruling cannot be questioned. And Jesus, the Lord of all the earth, has done what is right. That's what Abraham says to God as God is looking to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham says to God, Will not the judge of all the earth do right? And we can be sure he does. He does do what's right. And every opposing voice is silenced. So the one thing that shines out on this great day is God's grace to save some, even many, by his grace. And so we look forward to that great day with the confidence of faith, knowing that we are meeting our judge who is our Savior. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we 